the Ohio State Buckeyes beat the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 35-16. to Ohio State won by 19 points and consequentially covered the scarily accurate 18.5-point spread, but that margin of victory does not tell the true story of this game. This game went, for the most part, as I expected it to. In my preview and prediction video, I predicted Ohio State would win by a score of 27-14. to 14. Ohio State ended up being more effective at scoring touchdowns in the red zone than I expected them to, and Rutgers wasn't quite able to punch it into the red zone at the degree of success than I thought they would. Granted, by scoring 14 points, I expected Rutgers to only have two successful scoring trips rather than the four they ended up having. Rutgers outgained Ohio State in total yards. They dominated possession. The turnover battle was split. The Scarlet Knights had seven more first downs. And Ohio State and Rutgers were relatively comparable, with a slight edge to Ohio State when it came to third down and fourth down efficiency. Ironically enough... Watching this game yesterday made me think that if Rutgers had a quarterback who was accurate and who could put at least half of the time he threw could put perfect touch on the ball, would Rutgers have come out potentially with a win? Would they have been viewed as the better team in that game? In, in one aspect, I wasn't surprised by the result whatsoever. Ohio State pulled away late, as they should have. They had more talent. They have the better coaching staff. Marvin Harrison Jr., he did not blow up the box score, but he did get two receiving touchdowns on excellent catches, on great balls thrown by Kyle McCord, who had a 79.8 quarterback efficiency rating. He threw an interception, but... Overall, McCord was pretty accurate on the day and made the throws he had to make to put Ohio State in positions to win. He played a lot in my mind like how Drew Aller played yesterday or like how Drew Aller has played for much of the season, just making shorter passes to guys who he know are going to win one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Travion Henderson, I did a community poll earlier today asking who was the most impressive running back of the week, of Week 10. And I didn't put Travion Henderson on that list, and I regret doing so. Even though I think that Manungai had a better game, given that he has an inferior supporting cast, and I thought that Dylan Johnson had a better game against USC, Henderson had one of the better performances of all college football running backs this week. 128 rushing yards, 22 carries, a touchdown, and even more through the air. But we'll talk about his overall performance and what it means to the team in a few minutes. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And before we begin, please hit that big red subscribe button in celebration of Ohio State's win, because Ohio State, after all, their color, Scarlet, is a variant of red. And also hit the subscribe button to celebrate Rutgers competing against the number one team in the country, according to the college football playoff rankings, and competing with the team that is among college football's elite. Also make sure to like this video, 
comment your thoughts down below, and hit the notification bell so that you can get notified when I post more college football content. Lastly, if you want to support the channel, which your support's always appreciated, but it is never expected, YouTube is my main focus, but if you want to support the channel, please do so through the link in the description and in the pinned comment, that being my Patreon page, where you can get a $5 membership, where you will just be thanked at the end of the video for your support, a $10 membership, where you will be thanked for your support and get insider access to my weekly picks for whether it's you know betting purposes for yourself. I don't bet. I just like to see how my picks do against what Vegas thinks and also get insider access to what my potential power ranking system thinks, and that should be up again this week. If you want to go the extra mile and become a Heisman member, which is $25 a month, you will, after six months, get a signed merchandise piece, signed with my name. You get to ask me questions, give me content recommendations, directly message me, etc. So check out my Patreon page via the link in the description. And thank you all so much for your support and your engagement. It means a whole lot to me. But to get back to the topic at hand, this was... I know that on this channel and... Me, myself, I typically don't give out moral victories. I mean, even in a video earlier today that I posted about Michigan beating Purdue, it might have sounded like I was giving Purdue a moral victory, and to a certain degree, Michigan as well. Michigan struggled in a similar way that they did against Bowling Green, and they've had other moments like the first quarter against Indiana, for example, where they were tested. And I think that it's better that Michigan gets some of these little baby tests so that against a Penn State or an Ohio State, if they're punched in the mouth and have a bad half, they can come back and steamroll in the second half. Michigan, by the way, is only, I think, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the recording of this video against Penn State, though I expect that line to fluctuate and maybe even shrink more in Penn State's favor as this week goes on. But anyway, Rutgers, in truth, deserves accolades after this game. When I made my prediction about Rutgers covering the spread, being competitive in this game, it wasn't with the mindset that this Ohio State team is bad. Ohio State looked slow. They looked disheveled offensively. And I have to be honest, I don't know how an offense with this much talent, even though Rutgers' defense is great, with what I've become accustomed to regarding Ohio State, I am almost appalled the way they look sometimes. I mean, you watch Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson, Kyle McCord, Emeka Igbuka, Cade Stover, by the way. Him being out is, that is an alarm in my mind. He is one of the most reliable weapons currently that Ohio State has. I hope he gets healthy as soon as he possibly can. Be be praying for Cade Stover and for any other injured player in college football. We we hate injuries as college football fans. Rutgers, I expected them to compete with Ohio State because I thought that Ohio State's conservative style of defense plays into teams that have great offenses and great run games. Rutgers has a great offensive line. They don't necessarily have a great offense, but they have a near-elite running back, I think, 
in Kyle Manungai and Gavin Wimsat has legs. So a conservative defense that isn't constantly stacking the box and blitzing you and that wants to limit big plays is going to allow these small three, four, five-yard runs and then stifle you in between the 10 and the end zone. And that is exactly what that's exactly what Ohio State's defense did. Now, that doesn't mean there's no problem with the Buckeye defense. I think there are some concerns with how Rutgers ran for over 200 yards and five yards per carry. But I had some concerns about the Buckeyes' run defense entering this game anyway. I think it's a great run defense, but there's a reason I predicted in my preview video for Rutgers to run for over 200 yards but only pass for around 100. Rutgers is a great rushing offense poor passing offense, and Ohio State's defense in a certain way schematically and how Jim Knowles calls the game plays right into the style of offense that Rutgers wants to run. So Ohio State, I don't think you can take away in this game that they're just a good team that isn't great. I still think they're great. I still think that they're near elite, elite. They have a great strength of record. Rutgers is a better team than I think many would think because their brand name isn't huge. I mean, that 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 logo of the red Scarlet R typically is associated with being a sounding board of everyone else in the Big Ten. That's not the case with Rutgers. Rutgers, you look at their schedule, and we'll get into this later. Uh, they could beat Iowa. They could beat Maryland. Dare I say it, depending on what the Michigan game does to Penn State's psyche, whether Penn State gets really high off of a win or get demoralized after they lose, Rutgers could run run on Penn State and make that a competitive game. Rutgers could easily go 8-4, and four, win their bowl game, and with what they return next year, we could be talking about them as a preseason top 25 team. Rutgers is a good team. Now, that doesn't mean Ohio State, again, is without concerns. I thought that Oregon is solidifying themselves as probably a team that I would pick to beat Ohio State. Washington is another team that they bounced back after looking sluggish the previous two weeks and beat USC by double digits, and it was mainly because of their defense but also their run game. So I'm not sitting here telling you, I think that would be dishonest, that Ohio State doesn't have concerns. Every team in college football has concerns, and every team in college football, even the greatest teams of all time, have games where you look at them and you think, are they really number one? Are they really who they say they are or how they look on the stat sheet? An example of this is 2001 Miami played Boston College close and they needed an interception to win by double digits. And that's one of the greatest teams of all time. 2019 LSU did not have a top 10 defense. They did not have an elite defense. And they, look, played Auburn close, could have lost that game. They played Texas close. Texas finished eight and five. And 2020 Alabama, they were in a shootout with Ole Miss. You you get the point. Every team, every, every team has moments where they look vulnerable, maybe look overrated, and of course, vice versa, look underrated or look absolutely dominant. Consistency is key. And Ohio State right now is 9-0, 6-0 in conference, and one of their most consistent players when healthy is Travion Henderson. For two weeks in a row now, Henderson has been the heart and soul, the beat to which this offense goes with. 
he sets the tempo. 22 carries, 128 yards, and touchdown on the ground. 80 receiving yards, 5 receptions through the air with a long of 65. That 65-yard reception came on a third down. If Ohio State has to punt there, uh, outcome of the game might have been different, or the game wouldn't have been over until the clock hit zero. He's a player that wins games for you. I would take him right now at Michigan. I would love to have Travion Henderson and Blake Corum as my starting running backs, and we split them nearly 50-50. I would love to see how that operates. He was the stable piece of Ohio State's offense. He was that way against Wisconsin. By the way, without Malusi, Allen, Mordecai, with all the injuries that are piling up on Wisconsin, they are a horrible football team right now. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Nebraska walked into Camp Randall and just laid a nice, smelly, rotten egg on Luke Fickle's program. But Travion Henderson, he has to stay healthy. It's absolutely paramount, critical, whatever adjective, description you want to use, that he stays healthy and that he gets involved. Because he's consistent, he's reliable, I mean, the breakaway speed that he has. There were some runs where if he breaks one tackle, he's gone. Speed and space back. Like, he he looks like his 2021 self, except he has some power. He can churn forward with his legs. And if he could stay healthy, and if he had a better offensive line, maybe the narrative surrounding him would be he is one of the best, if not the best, running backs in all of college football right now, along with Bucky Irving, Blake Corum, um, other running backs like Ollie Gordon, Kyle Manungai. He's going to break 1,000 yards. Potentially, he'll do it against Iowa because Iowa, over the past two seasons, how you beat their defense is by running on them. Their secondary is their strength. And Rutgers, running for over 200 yards on Ohio State, is it's an achievement and it's something that I don't think should be surprising of Rutgers moving forward if they ground and pound Rutgers looks like a pre-2000s Big Ten team like an old school traditional Big Ten football team with a quarterback who has legs and of course like a pre-2000s Big Ten quarterback a quarterback who's completely 50-50 on his throws. Though Wimsat toward the middle and end of the game really made strides. He just had an extremely rough start, and he's facing one of the best secondaries and best defenses in all of college football. So we, we can't be too hard on him, or I can't be too hard on him. But Rutgers has a great defense. They have a great rush offense. They have some capable receivers. Christian Dremel, for example, he got open And if Wimsat put perfect touch on that ball and didn't overthrow him, Rutgers would have had a long bomb over one of the most efficient secondaries in all of college football, who was without Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor got banged up, and Denzel Burke was also out. So Ohio State was down a variety of players, and this team is deep. They have depth. Strength and conditioning, that's an area of the program right now for Ohio State. If you disagree with me or you want to provide insight into why this is or why I feel this way, tell me in the comment section below what you think. 
and your analyses regarding Ohio State and the health of their players, they have had a ton of injuries over this year and last year that make me question their strength and conditioning program. Now, for Ohio State, they can afford these injuries, and because of the amount of depth they have, thanks to great recruiting and developing at a variety of positions and great coordinators, they can mask those injuries. An example of this is Penn State game. Jermaine Matthews Jr., I think he's a true freshman, um, is perfect for the entire game while Denzel Burke is out. Another example is Jordan Hancock with his pick six, and Jordan Hancock overall playing a very solid game against Rutgers, despite Denzel Burke being out. That means that Hancock is now the number one corner on the field instead of Burke. And Travion Henderson and Chip Trainum, they're doing just fine, despite the fact that Mayan Williams is unfortunately out for the year. And G. Scott, he caught a 14-yard touchdown pass from Kyle McCord, filling in for Cade Stover. So Ohio State has depth, and they can play and play at a high level in spite of these injuries. But at some point, I think the amount of injuries that they have, if they're not corrected, can end up biting them in, in the butt. An example of this is last year. I think if Mayan Williams was completely healthy, and if Travion Henderson was at peak performance and he was healthy, and Ohio State played against Michigan, uh, that game would have been it would have been a much better outcome for Ohio State. I don't know about a win, but Ohio State, with the success they had against Michigan early in that game, running with Chip Trainum and the fact they had a better offensive line than they did in 2021 or this season, imagine a healthy Travion Henderson behind last year's Ohio State offensive line. It's hard to imagine that because Travion Henderson was dealing with a foot injury for the entirety of last season and wasn't at 100%. But he's he's an impact player, and Ohio State has two deep, three deep players who have as high ceilings as NFL players do. I mean, they are deep, especially on the defensive side of the ball, at wide receiver, and at running back. But having more bodies is always helpful. Having good depth is critical. It's paramount. Ohio State, they didn't have great depth or elite depth in the secondary last season. And when their players could never get healthy, and when players like Denzel Burke you know, weren't healthy, and he also just had a rough year regardless, that meant big mistakes were made defensively. And play calls by Jim Knowles that could have been absolute genius were in fact poor decisions in light of the performances depending on the position of the unit called into question. In my example, of course, the defense. So that means that against Rutgers or against Maryland or against even Penn State, as I think Penn State's offensively challenged, that can work. And these injuries can be not that big of a deal. Ohio State can still come out with wins. But against Michigan or against Oregon, or Washington, or Georgia. Georgia right now has their own injury case. They don't have the same amount of injuries that Ohio State has, but 
they have an injury right now that would be akin to Marvin Harrison Jr. being out for an entire month and not being able to play in the Michigan game, for example. They have Brock Bowers, who is going to be out until, I'd say, probably the SEC championship game at the earliest. The latest, he'd be back by the college football playoff semifinal if Georgia makes the playoff, which is very likely. And it maybe he opts out for the rest of the season. Who knows? But Henderson is a player that needs to be kept healthy. I cannot stress that enough. And these injuries have to stop. Ohio State plays against Michigan State and Minnesota. Of any game at this point, with how Ohio State plays and how the margin of error for this team is much smaller than in previous seasons, any game can be a trap game. But Ohio State has the depth to get through these next two opponents while not playing at 100%. Focus on getting guys healthy. Uh, if you need to precautionarily keep players out against Michigan State and Minnesota, I would say do so. The healthier Ohio State can be when they face off against Michigan, who right now has minimal injuries, if any, from what I know of. Kalel Mullings is back. The secondary with Rod Moore and Will Johnson, they were injured at the beginning of the season. They're playing, they're getting better every week, and the offensive line's healthy. Michigan, looking as good as they do right now in comparison to Ohio State by efficiency metrics, Michigan starkingly looks like they have the better offense and potentially the better defense as well. If they're the healthier team on top of that, that lessens Ohio State's chances to win. So being healthy is paramount. It's also good to note that with the run game that Ohio State has, that gives them a better chance of beating Michigan and of winning the Big Ten because watching Henderson run against Wisconsin and Rutgers, who don't have elite defenses, but have great defenses. He's able to get downfield. He's able to put his head down and you know churn forward for a few yards, which he couldn't do the previous two seasons. That gives Ohio State some balance on offense, and Kyle McCord becoming more accurate and making some good one-on-one -on -one perfectly placed throws against this awesome Rutgers secondary full of NFL corners. That's good as well. So there are encouraging takeaways, and we'll get to those in a few minutes, but I want to talk about Rutgers. On this show, we talk about winners last. We save the best for last, and we talk about losers first. Rutgers is obviously a loser. They lost this matchup, but there are encouraging things to take away. Rutgers this season, let's go back to their schedule, which I talked about earlier. For the 2023 college football season, Rutgers is 6-3. They're 3-3 three three in the Big Ten Conference. They have Iowa on the road, which is going to be a 3-30 game in six days. They have Penn State on the road. This is after Penn State plays Michigan, and I'm telling you, after Penn State plays Michigan, whether Penn State wins or loses, if Penn State does not control their emotions, Rutgers has a team that can run the football and that will shut down inept offenses, that could be a trap game for Penn State, despite it being at home. And then they host Maryland November 25th. Rutgers very easily could go 8-4. and four. I think 7-5, and five, there are no guarantees, but 7-5 seven, seven and five I think is closer to a guarantee than 6-6 six and six at this point. I think that Rutgers objectively is a better team than Maryland and Iowa. It's just hard to win on the road against Iowa. 
Penn State, I would pencil that in as a loss, even though I think it could be a trap game. Penn State has a better defense. They have a better offense. They, Darn, they might even have a better special teams unit with how good of a kicker Alex Felkins is. Jai Patel is also a good kicker, and both Penn State and Rutgers have good punters, and they have good return specialists, and they're pretty disciplined on special teams. In fact, they're overall similar in a lot of ways, Rutgers and Penn State and even Iowa are overall. Of course, there are varying differences between the three, and Rutgers is better than Iowa, Penn State's better than Rutgers. However, it's admirable that we're even putting Rutgers in a comparison to Penn State and to Iowa, because three years ago, that would have been absolute lunacy, or just two years ago. Last year, Iowa beat Rutgers by double digits on the road. And this season, Rutgers puts up 361 offensive yards in Ohio State. They have a touchdown. They kick three field goals. They take advantage of turnovers. Their run attack is ferocious. If they had a good passing quarterback with the mobility that Wimsat already has, I think they would have won, given how both of these teams performed. There were Rutgers receivers who were open. Wimsat just couldn't hit them. If... This Rutgers team had 2018 Shea Patterson. Outcome of this game could have been different. If they had a better quarterback than Shea Patterson, outcome of this game likely, in my mind, would have been in the favor of the Scarlet Knights. And that goes to show how much Rutgers has improved, how Ohio State didn't play 100% in this game, how Rutgers did, and also the fact that Ohio State, with the injuries they have, and with the offense and how it's... This is now a part of this Ohio State team's identity. This offense will probably not be a lead or even near elite. It'll be a great offense at best, a good offense on average, with an elite defense. So in a way, it's almost the inverse of last year's team, really. Um, It goes to show that there have been changes between these two teams. Rutgers, they had decent home field advantage. There were a lot of Scarlet Knight fans that showed up, and when Rutgers got, I think it was their first sack of the game, that's when the crowd really became engaged, and heading into that locker room with a 9-7 to lead, that that has to feel powerful. I think Shiano coached a good game. The pass defense has also improved compared to previous seasons. Of course, Ohio State, they just have that much more talent and resources and depth. They have the better quarterback. They have the better receivers. They have the better defensive linemen, both defensive tackle and defensive end. Linebacker, I'd lean Ohio State, even though I think Rutgers is pretty comparable. And secondary, Rutgers has a near-elite, elite elite secondary. I think Ohio State's when healthy is the best in all of college football. And then running back, pretty comparable. When healthy, I'd take Ohio State's depth, but... I think Manungai and Henderson would complement each other very well if they were in the same running back room. And dare I say it, I think Rutgers has a better better offensive line at this point than Ohio State does. Both teams had one sack, four tackles for loss. Ohio State had four passes deflected. Rutgers had, had three. Rutgers on the season has only allowed Gavin Wimsat to get sacked eight times. This is in nine games. Now, Wimsat doesn't drop back and pass a ton, but he has over 200 passing attempts. He has a similar amount of passing attempts to J.J. McCarthy, 
and he's only been sacked eight times. McCarthy's been sacked, for example, 11 times. And Wimsatt's faced Michigan's defense. He's faced Ohio State's defense. Those might be the two best defenses in all of college football. They're not renowned for their pass rush like, let's say, Penn State's defense is, but they have great secondaries, and they're conservative. They're not aggressive to the point where they're going to try and sack you at the expense of giving up a big play. They're well-coached, disciplined, coordinated defenses, and Rutgers' offensive line has held up. Wimsat averaged around four yards per carry on the ground against both Michigan and Ohio State. And you look at Kyle Manungai, who has 903 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. He's a great running back, 5'9", 210 pounds. The, the power that he displays and the discipline, the acceleration. And on that fourth and one double handoff, that takes an intelligent, not, not just coaching staff, to, to pull out that play against a, a defense that is as solid as Ohio State's and to know how to use that. But for Rutgers' offensive line to not panic, to not full start, for Wimsett to handle the handoff the way he did, he made it look like a fumble, and I think that was intentional. And then for him to hand it off very calmly to Manungai and for Manungai to collect that, to make the moves that he made down the sidelines, that takes an intelligent set of players. Rutgers' players are smart. They're strong. Manungai averaged 2.5 yards per carry against Michigan, but had a long rush of 10. He averaged 6.6 yards per carry against Ohio State. So he's a great running back, and Rutgers has faced some of the better defenses in all of college football, and they're still having success on the ground. Their offensive line's good at pass blocking, even better at run blocking. The running backs, whether it's Samuel Brown the fifth or Manungai, are impressive. I thought Samuel Brown the fifth was going to be their breakout running back this season, and then Manungai coming out of seemingly, from my perspective, nowhere was incredible. I mean, this team is just you. You got it. You got to take pride in your team if you're a Rutgers fan. I don't know how many of you exist or watch this channel, but I'm impressed with your team. And I want to do this very quickly, even though it's off topic, but. The Big Ten released their 2024 football schedule, and perhaps I should go live and talk about that this week. I didn't immediately last week because we already knew the schedules and the games that were being played. Now we just know the times, which, of course, can allude to certain trap games and other things. In 2024, Rutgers plays Howard, Akron. They have a bye. They play at Virginia Tech. The schedules are working with the Big Ten such that they will have two bye weeks, which I think is pretty cool for teams that struggle off the bye that will be hard, though. After playing at Virginia Tech, Rutgers hosts Washington, then they travel to Nebraska, they host Wisconsin, they host UCLA, they travel to USC, they host Minnesota, travel to Maryland, host Illinois, and travel to Michigan State. Depending on how Rutgers plays their cards, USC, I'd pencil that in as a loss, Washington, even though they lose a lot, just with the depth that they have, and as long as Kalen DeBoer and that staff is there, with what they've built, I have faith in them, but it's a home game, so you never know. There's a lot of opportunity for Rutgers to win eight, nine, dare I say it, ten games with this schedule. They avoid Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. So the future, I think, is bright for Rutgers. If they can use the portal well, 
recruit better and continue to win games, like winning eight or nine, seven games this season would be massive. They've already gone bowling, and that's impressive. Rutgers just needs to continue to do what they're doing, and my faith in Greg Schiano has been restored. For the Buckeyes, 328 offensive yards, five touchdowns. Their offense is sad to watch, but the defense, defense is elite. Truth be told, the offense going back to them, some may find what I say to be an exaggeration or dishonest, but you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming, you have Henderson. A a lot of your players on this roster were on last year's roster and on 2021's roster. McCord, for example, true, true freshman on that roster. Same with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and in that Rose Bowl, phenomenal game in the 2021 Rose Bowl. Travion Henderson, he was a true freshman in that 2021 season, ran for over 1,000 yards. Tommy Eichenberg was on that team. Josh Proctor. A plethora of these players were either starters or contributors on the 2021-2022, more specifically, football teams. And yet, the defense has improved every year since 2021. The offense from 21 to 22 statistically was worse, but I understand the reason for that is Ryan Day wanted to be more physical. And when you're more physical, you're typically less finesse, which takes away points. And Smith and Jigbo was hurt, which really wrecked their, you know, it, it wrecked the receiver room, even though the receiver room was still the best in the nation. Smith and Jigbo was supposed to be their wide receiver one, and instead he got hurt at the beginning of the year, was on and off, and then eventually opted out so he could keep himself safe, not get injured, or re-aggravate an injury, and focus on the NFL. This season, this offense has so much talent, and it keeps tripping over itself like it has two left feet. It's it, it's frustrating to watch, really. Uh, not as frustrating as Brian Ferentz or as Alex Grinch and the units they command to the point where I actively root for those teams to lose because it's frustrating to watch. But given the talent they have, it's sad and it's frustrating. And I know that because, look, it's it's not it's not acceptable with the talent that's on that roster. And Ryan Day knows it. Ohio State fans in my comment sections mention how they're frustrated with the offense. The defense, on the other hand, is improved year after year after year. And if this defense was paired with last year's offense, or let's just say this year's offense had C.J. Stroud instead of Kyle McCord as their quarterback, I think we'd be talking about Ohio State differently. A lot of these issues revolve around the offensive line, and the quarterback for Ohio State. Those are the two most important positions on any offense. Offensive line and quarterback. Those two critical positions, unfortunately, whether it's the offensive line and they're highly penalized, the tackles are a mess like they have been since since the beginning of the season, and the interior hasn't lived up to expectations. Or with Kyle McCord, he's a great quarterback, Maybe a near-elite quarterback, but I don't think he has that elite ceiling. I just don't. Um, Inaccuracies are now expected of Kyle McCord, and he doesn't even have 20 passing touchdowns yet. He probably won't cross 
He probably won't. Hmm, not going to say that. I was going to say he may not even cross 30, but Ohio State potentially has six games left. This team can still go 15-0 and win it all, so I'm going to hold myself back from saying that. The run defense is a concern. Ohio State allowed over 200 rushing yards to Rutgers. And I'm, the only reason I'm saying that I predicted that to happen is because at the same time as my prediction that Rutgers would run for 200 yards, I also said that Ohio State has an elite defense and that their run defense when it struggles is more so, I think, due to the conservative bend-but-don't-break nature of the defense than their defensive line just straight up being bad. They have three NFL defensive tackles in Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, and Michael Hall. They have a great defensive tackle room, great defensive line overall. Tui Moalau and Sawyer are up and down, but we've known that since last year, to be frank, and they're still great players. What's concerning about this rush defense is that, I mean, they didn't, I, I guess it's to the point that they didn't prove me wrong. Because even though Ohio State's defense was conservative, and it's not like they were selling out to stop the run and couldn't stop it, Rutgers was still able to power forward because the Buckeyes were missing tackles, especially from Rutgers' line of scrimmage to the first down marker. And even though the defense was overall conservative, there were times where they were selling out to stop the run or they knew Rutgers was going to run. And Kyle Manungai in that offensive line said, nope, don't care, we're going to bully you. And they did. Um, again, I'm not going to say that we need to panic and throw up our arms and everything's on fire because I expected Rutgers to stubbornly run the football and because they were going to run it over and over again and Ohio State doesn't care if they give up over 100 rushing yards as long as they don't lose the football game and don't allow them to get rushing touchdowns, I thought that those conditions would allow the Scarlet Knights to run for that much, but it was on certain plays and the poor tackling and other games like, let's say, against Notre Dame, um, where, whether it's Notre Dame, whether it's Maryland, or whether it's Rutgers, there have been times where this run defense has struggled, even when they try and stop the run, and other times where they miss tackles or they get run over. Michigan's run game isn't the same as it was last year. I think it's still better than the 2021 rushing attack. I just think Michigan is prioritizing the passing offense more. They passed for almost 40 times against Purdue and against a low-level opponent like Purdue. It's rare to see Michigan pass more than 20 times, and they passed for nearly 40. So the, the Michigan's offense has changed to a certain degree, but they still have, when you watch their interior O-line, they mow everyone down. Their problem is, ironically, like Ohio State's problem. It's their tackle position. Their pass protection, Michigan lets defensive ends, you know, get around their tackles and stop the run because the op opponent defensive tackles have no chance at stopping Michigan's run unless they're stacking the box and being uber-aggressive. And the Wolverines have Blake Corum. They have Donovan Edwards, and Donovan Edwards pops off in big games. So... The Buckeyes, I don't know if this will remain true because we have to see Michigan's run game and offense still play a big-time opponent, 
and they'll do that against Penn State in six days. Ohio State's defense will at some point have to get out of their comfort zone. They will. In the same way that Michigan last year had to get out of their comfort zone against TCU and against Ohio State. And they were able to against Ohio State, but they weren't consistent enough to replicate that same adaptation against TCU. That's why they lost. For the Buckeyes, they're conservative on defense. And if Michigan can run on them with that front, and J.J. McCarthy right now looks like the best quarterback in the Big Ten, the defense will have to get outside of what their identity has been this year and make some uncomfortable choices. So training these players to tackle better, I don't know if that's something that can be solved this season. They have tackled better than last year, but there are still times where they're not finishing. The defense doesn't finish. They don't stuff opposing running backs at the lines of scrimmage. They let them fall forward for a few yards, or they blatantly miss tackles, or there were some drops. There were some drops against Rutgers and some misfires for Ohio State, not just defensively, but offensively. So becoming a more disciplined team, a more cohesive team, being healthy, keeping Henderson healthy is, a, is an absolute priority. Ohio State has no shot of winning the national title if Henderson isn't healthy. None. He, I, I'd say, is at the same level of Marvin Harrison Jr. right now in terms of importance for this Ohio State offense because he gives Ryan Day and Brian Hartline balance on that offense. And he's an elite player, too. And I mean that. He right now looks like one of the best running backs in all of college football. So another win for Ohio State. They move on to 9-0, and 6-0 in conference, and Rutgers falls to 6-3, and 3-3 in conference. Thank you all so much for watching this video. I want to give a shout-out to my Patreon sponsors, Crash2488 and Anthony McDowell. Thank you for being Heisman patrons. Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, SFS Inverted. Thank you for being all American patrons. And Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, thank you for being all conference patrons. Your support is always appreciated. It is never expected. Have a phenomenal day, guys.